It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be able to make friends. I'm just trying to make real money. My job is not just entertain, but to put this whole craziness into some sort of rational world. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Cramer. Look, another good day. Another day where we heard endless complaints about how this market is too narrow to be trusted. You heard them, I heard Even as the Dow gained another 190 points, S&P climbed 0.93%. The Nasdaq jumped an astonishing 1.53%. So many otherwise intelligent people keep wringing their hands about how bad the market's breadth is. They say it's too narrow, limited to just a few large tech companies. I said they haven't done their homework. Maybe they just see that only about 10% of the S&P 500 has hit a new high in June, or just over 20%, maybe, if you include May. And they think that's way too closer to be any good. Uh, it's a darn good start to me. And it leads to a longer-term move higher. Or when they chide the market, they go with the obvious criticism. 75% of the gains for the S&P come from only 10 stocks. The Magnificent 7, Alphabet, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Tesla, plus Broadcom, AMD, and Salesforce, which we're going to hear from later in the show. I heard cat calls all day today. I'm not kidding. All day! That this market can't be real if tech's leading the way. Real. Somehow that means this whole move is sleight of hand? Leisure to Plus, there are other tech stocks in the mix on the new high list. Apple Service Now, they have thousands of customers from every single industry. Hard to be brought in that customer base. Isn't that, isn't that important? Hey, how about Oracle, which reported a terrific quarter this very evening, great cloud revenues. I'll take the 12 points you made in that one. Maybe you don't, you don't want them. I'll take them. Right, maybe you don't want the 20 points you would have made in Adobe. Oh, I like that one. Hit a 52-week high. Wow, I guess that's not allowed. Two semiconductor capital equipment makers, KLA, 10-core applied materials, they joined the new high list. As it on semi, one of these are all stocks that we've favored. You know that. Makes industrial chips. Fortinet for cybersecurity. They're all been on the show. We like them. Tech's a bigger and broader sector. There's nothing narrow about the winners in tech. And if you own them, uh, which is what matters, right? Isn't that what we're doing here? There is no asterisk that says, ah, bought in a narrow tech-driven market. But my bigger point is, despite endless qualms about narrowness, there are indeed plenty of non-tech stocks that are Roaring here. I want to start with home building, okay? Because that's a pretty good place. I mean, think about it. The industry only makes about 10% of the economy, right? I bet it punches above its weight. I, I see Lenore, DR Horton, Pulte, all three of these large home builders, they're making new highs. 
to me, that, that's phenomenal. Especially when you consider that the home builders are supposed to be struggling after all these rate hikes. And maybe the naysayers are waiting for every home builder to be on the party. I mean, how can you ignore Lenore Horton? Pulte, when you make a judgment of a, of a tape played only by tech, you're an ostrich if you do that. Look, part and parcel with the home builders is road building. And you know I like the road builders. They come on the show, too. I mean, you got Vulcan Materials, Martin Marietta Materials. Those guys are smart. What else do you need to see on the new high list before you pull the trigger? You got to see, like, a maker of Macadam? You know, this is just crazy. Those are category-defining companies. And they give us tremendous breath by their clients alone. Okay, they're not huge companies, but they aren't small either. Are we just not counting anything with a market capitalization below $500 billion? I hear lots of moaning that there aren't any industrials breaking out. Okay, I counter. I'm going to counter with Boeing. That's an industrial. General Electric, I think it's industrial. Halmet, okay, too small for you. Each of those are in aerospace. Here's a gigantic industry that is on fire, and there are literally hundreds of thousands of suppliers in the aerospace business. I think you can presume that there'll be many more 52-week highs coming from this industry. They can't all happen at once. You, can't, you can wait for the rest of them to join the new high list, or you can try to make money right now in the others that will likely follow companies like a Boeing or a GE. There are industrials that touch on so many areas, digitization, climate control, electrification, onshoring, and they're breaking out all over the place. The best example of this one is a company called Eaton, which is at the cusp of all these trends. If you want to wait for, say, Emerson, which is a charitable trust name, to get on the list before you pull the trigger, okay, be my guest. I don't care. But as I plan on telling people at our investing club meeting on Wednesday, you can't be too early in this tape when it comes to long-term secular winners like an Eaton or maybe, hopefully, an Emerson if they get their act together. Then there's Inger Solran. They represent the basic machinery world. W.W. Granger, you've seen them playing motors, pumps, heating, ventilation, power tools. Seems pretty broad to me. Packard's doing well as part of the transportation cohort. But maybe the naysayers say uh, you shouldn't uh, qualify uh, a light truck baker. It, it doesn't work. It's not an industrial. I don't know. I, it's so frustrating for me. Here's the one. Look, you watch TV, right? You watch these shows. What is the worst industry in the country? Commercial real estate, right? I mean, come on. And then what the heck is Otis Worldwide doing in the new high list? They make elevators for commercial real estate, for heaven's sake. But that's precisely what I'm talking about when I see the broadening out. Sure, maybe it's just because CEO Judy Marks is incredibly good at what she does, which she is. She's taken Otis to a level could never have been when it was buried inside of United Technologies. But if you want a leading indicator that's all substance and zero hype, Otis Worldwide. Cintas is on the list. Okay, hey, hey, big shot. So what that is? Uniforms for the small, medium-sized businesses across the country. Tough to get broader than that, right? Not that those thumb-sucking theoretician idiots know what a Cintas is. Hey, what's a Cintas? Google Cintas. Will you over there? Google it. Lots of people seem to think that the consumer's dead. You hear that endlessly, right? Uh, Darden's on the new high list. I mean, that, that's Olive Garden. You've probably gone there. They have a really good roles in a kind of an endless salad bowl. To me, that says a great deal about the markets broadening out. Look, you want to wait for McDonald's, right? That's what you're waiting. You're waiting for restaurant brands. So you don't want to do anything until you see Wendy's. You, it doesn't work like that, people. Is there anything more discretionary than a cruise? Weird how Carnival, Norwegian, and Royal Caribbean are all breaking out right now. But maybe people really are long on money and short on time. No doubt some post-COVID revenge vacations, too. How about a beer with that vacation? How about a beer with that diversification? Molson Coors is on the list. I mean, you can't get Molson Coors on the high list without people spending money when they are out bringing home a six-pack to watch a game. This is what matters. That it, 
Tesla does not control that, okay? It's not like you can't buy it because Apple's on the new high list. If you have to wait for Walmart to go up another 54 cents and you get on the new high list, so be it. I'm sure there'll be people who pronounce the market better when Walmart goes up. I want to get in before Walmart. That's what I want to do before. I'm like, just because this is striking distance, I say, why well, wait? I know we should have had something that represents the auto industry besides Tesla, which is invisible at this point, 12 Street up days. Okay, how about Snap-on? They make the tool company that makes the best equipment to diagnose and fix vehicles. That's more representative than most, although we do seem to forget that Tesla is indeed an auto company, not a fang. We have FinTech, like Fair Isaac, the owner of your FICO score. So people must be borrowing, at least checking their credit. How about Moody's? They must be, people must be issuing bonds, at least companies do. How about healthcare? We got Dexcom for diabetes, intuitive surgical for robot-powered surgery, Cardinal, and Immersor Spurgeon for drug distribution. These are signs that more, there's more pharma being used. Biogen's got a story, but if you go beyond the SP 500, you see dozens of small junior Biogen's being bought by big cap pharma. Oh, and how about a conglomerate that includes, let's say, a railroad, uh, multiple insurance companies, candy company, uh, huge stakes in American Express, Coca-Cola, Apple, hosts of oil and gas outfits? Yeah, how about Berkshire Hathaway? The ultimate in diversification. Does that not count? Does it not count that they made the new high list on Friday? I mean, to me, it means something. Look, I went into this really in great detail for one reason. Sure, most of the gains in this market are indeed in aggregate concentrated in a handful of huge tech companies. But that's simply because those companies are so large, big market cap. Their aggregated strength is masking all the pauses that I'm talking about. This is what we trade. This is what we own. Tech is a leadership group, of course. But I worry you may miss some tremendous opportunities in this market because you're being told endlessly the concentration is bad nothing else works until it starts working. And then those people who won't ever acknowledge that they said, oh, you can't be in there because nothing else works. Once it starts working, they're gone. They'll never apologize to you. So remember, when you look underneath this market, it's not all that concentrated. We got tons of winners outside tech, which means it might be healthier than you think, okay? Even though we can still go down if you get some tough data tomorrow or if the Fed says something bad, I am not saying you don't sell anything. I never want you to be greedy. I am saying that if you've been scared into being largely in cash because of all these theoreticians who come on air, maybe you buy the dip. Here's the bottom line. The strength away from tech is now undeniable. It's time to open our eyes to what's really happening rather than being blinded by the big cap tech light. Let's go to Robert in Georgia, please. Robert. Yes, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, And thank you so much for your guide to investing. It's really set me up for uh, uh, investing my IRAs at home. That's what hey, I want. You've got horse sense. Moderna. I yeah. bought it at 150, or I bought into it at 156. It's now trading around 121, 122, and I know it's got a lot of lawsuits. Is it time to flush it? No, no, no. no. Look, I'm 31 percent for the year. We well, we have had Stephane Bancel on. I think the man has developed an incredible vaccine template that we're going to all be using someday. You do not sell that stock. I think you can even buy more Moderna. I, I believe in band sell that much. How about Kathy in Indiana? Kathy. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, I'm a Kathy. I'm first-time caller. All right. And so uh, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge. And, um, my question is, what's going on with Dollar General? It drops so low. Okay, so i got to tell you, Kathy. Kathy, Sorry. when you go through that conference call, 
That was one of the worst conference calls I have ever heard. That company has lost its way. I want to go to my Dollar General right near my place in Pennsylvania and wring somebody's neck. If it wasn't the fact that the guy behind the counter is terrific. It ain't his fault. It's management. I know everyone wants to focus on the so-called narrow leadership of this market and how this market is therefore not any good. They know nothing. Harping on that will only blind you to all the other names that have been moving higher. And then some mad tonight. We're not wasting your time. I'm talking to the head of a company that is taking food waste and turning it into sustainable products and renewable energy. Don't miss my Susan with darling ingredients. I'm a little fired up, sorry. Then Salesforce held its AI day and New York City day, and we were on the ground learning all the latest developments with the cloud kingpin. And what's it going to take to get MP Materials back on track short term? I'm not sure. Let's get to the heart of the rare earth materials company with the CEO and find out. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Are you a software professional looking to make a lasting impact on people and the planet? At General Motors, our vision is a world with zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. And we need innovative people like you to join us on this journey and challenge the limits of what is possible. From autonomous cars to software-defined vehicles, you'll translate breakthrough technologies like AI into experiences that people love, all while pushing the world forward toward an all-electric future. See how you can shape the future of mobility at careers.gm.com. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Few stocks are as misunderstood as Darling Ingredients. This is the largest publicly traded company that turns edible byproducts and food waste into sustainable animal feed and food ingredients. But a couple years ago, they launched a joint venture with Valero, the big refiner, to create renewable fuel, specifically biodiesel. Even though this is a pretty small part of their business overall, somehow it's caused Darling Ingredients to trade like an alternative energy play, not a food play. And that means it gets pulverized every time the price of oil comes down, like it did yet again today when oil got clobbered. But given that Darling Ingredients put up some excellent numbers a month ago while raising its full-year forecast, setting the stock up more than 8%, maybe it's an opportunity, especially now that the thing sells for 11 times earnings and regulations seem to be going their way worldwide. Earlier today, we got a chance to speak with Randall Stewies, the chairman and CEO of Darling Ingredients. Take a look. Mr. Stewie, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, thanks, Jim. Now, look, last quarter... You had three divisions, all three better than expected. Margin expansion, top and bottom beat. What do you think, uh, what do you credit all three doing well at the same time? You know, it, it's really the global diversity of the, of the platform we've built over the last 10 years, you know, operating in 23 countries on five continents. You know, it's kind of a well-tuned machine, and sometimes all of them line up. And uh, if you will, it, it did last quarter. Um, 
and it, it's really the the years setting up the same way. The momentum's just very strong across all product lines here. You know, the world's got to eat. The world produces meat. The world needs energy, and now we need all those needs. Well, I, since I've seen you last, something very exciting. You're going big into the um, sustainable aviation fuel. I know it's uh, we're still early, but I want you to talk about it with people because people don't think this could ever really take place. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a decarbonization solution that we offer out there. You know, we were one of the leaders, if not with, with another company that uh, kind of founded the renewable diesel business in the world. And now phase two is uh, taking that cut of renewable diesel, making jet fuel out of it. You know, the, the airlines have, have pledged 11 billion gallons of consumption in the U.S., uh, a similar number over overseas. You know, we, we're taking a, a first uh, mover advantage to uh, take our Port Arthur, Texas facility and uh, convert half of it over to, uh, to jet fuel. Um, we see a great market out there. We, we see a chance to, by location economics, we can move by pipeline to the big airports in the central and northeast, or we can move by export if, uh, if uh, Europe becomes a primary destination for it. So we're, we're positioned very well. It's early in the market, as you say, but we're starting to watch the, the margin side of that business develop very nicely, significantly better than what I would say the uh, road diesel business is. And, you know, we're we're under construction. Uh, we'll be down there in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're driving pilings, and uh, hopefully we'll be up by the end of 24, early 25 here. Well, boy, I'd love to come see that when you get that done. The other one I kind of think is very cool since we talked last, this Butterball Agreement. Maybe if you walk people through that, they'll understand really the greatness of what Darling does. Yeah, I mean, it, it's real simple to us. It's a model that, that, that we have uh, templated for, you know, the last 20 years uh, with my team, and that is, you find a customer, you identify, or a supplier in this case, you find out their needs, and then you take the technology that we've developed all around the world and create economics that they can't produce themselves. And what I mean by that is, is Butterball could clearly build their own processing facility, but by having us as their partner, it allows them access to markets both domestically and around the world for their products that they can't really access on their own. And then ultimately, it allows us to build the facility at a scale that's going to bring them improved economics. And hopefully the goal for us is to help them grow and we grow with them. And ultimately, we have a little more feedstock for uh, renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel. And we have some great pet food value added ingredients and Butterball's brand continues to you know, be a premium wanted brand out there. Now, I, I never uh, want to... Uh, I got to stress this collagen. I mean, what are people, are people using collagen to look better? Well, you know, I'd like to say it's working for me, Jim, but, you know, <laughs> uh, at, the, at, the, at the end of the day, it is fabulous product. Uh, we've seen, you know, double-digit growth. You know, last time I was with you, you know, I couldn't really talk about the, the acquisition. We were waiting on Brazilian antitrust authorities, and we bought four more plants in Brazil, one in Paraguay and one in, uh, in, in the U.S., got the Brazilian antitrust clearance. Uh, gives us about one-third of the world now of the capacity to make collagen products. The, the beauty of the collagen product as a supplement is that it provides, I believe, 27 of the 28 necessary amino acids. You know, and, and ultimately, it, you know, you're in that supplement nutraceutical world, which some kind of claim is a little voodoo at times. But at the end of the day, we're seeing absolute, you know, health benefits in joint health, you know, skin beauty, nail growth, hair growth, 
and and ultimately it's a product that versus other products that becomes water soluble so it opens up an arena of application in both the food and the cosmetic world that wasn't available to a lot of other products before and then you know kind of phase two and phase three ultimately phase two for us is is segregating or isolating the different amino acids so that you can look at gut health potentially you know dementia you know insulin reduction there's lots of neat things in that arena that are going to develop over the next two or three years we're a leader in it and then the, the next final piece is really in that biomedical area where we ultimately believe that we can create injectables, we can create wound healing, we can create biomedical devices from, from that beautiful collagen molecule. And we just really felt strong that we had the supply chain around the world of all of our factories working with the slaughterhouses to segregate that, that skin or that bone that can be converted into collagen and just as a natural growth vehicle for us. Well, I love these end markets. You had an amaz amazing quarter. Uh, fantastic business, and I know our viewers just love the ESG. What can I say? Because it's real. It is obviously not greenwash. This is Randy Stewie. He's the chairman and CEO of Darley Ingredients. Go to the website. It's got everything. They're very, very good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jim. One ESG for real as opposed to phony. It's Darley. Get my back in the break. Coming up, the AI revolution will be televised. And you know Salesforce has a key role to play. Stick with Kramer. Are you a software professional looking to make a lasting impact on people and the planet? At General Motors, our vision is a world with zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. And we need innovative people like you to join us on this journey and challenge the limits of what is possible. From autonomous cars to software-defined vehicles, you'll translate breakthrough technologies like AI into experiences that people love, all while pushing the world forward toward an all-electric future. See how you can shape the future of mobility at careers.gm.com. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Today, Salesforce held an AI day event here in New York City. A big fan of both Salesforce and artificial intelligence. I want you to know more about what this company, which is a long time holding for the Chapel Trust, is already doing in the space and the new initiatives on the way. We got a chance to speak with Mark Bendyup. He's the co-founder, chairman, CEO of Salesforce at his event today. So take a look. Mark, I have been using Salesforce and was an old fashioned customer and then on and on. Here's what I knew. You had AI before anybody. So why do I need this product? Well, Jim, you know I've been uh, an AI fanatic forever, um, but this is a whole new moment in artificial intelligence. This is the time when we're moving from what we called predictive artificial intelligence, which was machine learning and machine intelligence, right. and also deep learning. But by expanding these neural networks, we've created this kind of generative artificial intelligence, a breakthrough for the whole industry. And of course, a lot of folks know because of ChatGPT now, there's over 200 million users of that, so a lot of folks are experiencing right, so the power is, of this incredible this is a cloud. capability. Customers need to do this. Why? 
Well, you can see customers are going to be a lot more productive than ever before. We just had an opportunity to talk to Gucci. Yes. They've been using our product for over a year in their call centers and their contact centers, and they transformed their call center agents, who were just service agents before, and through their own words, they augmented their capabilities, and now they're service agents and marketing agents and sales agents and commerce agents, and they can do so much more. And I think a lot of us know have used these generative AI products, all of a sudden we know more, we understand more, we're capable of new things. And when you're using Salesforce's new generative AI products, you're going to be a lot more productive. Do you think that there will be more hours per week for people to do the job? Well, I think you're going to find your, your company is going to have very high levels of productivity. We've increased our engineering by 30% alone using generative AI. That's amazing. Just by using these new tools, and when you see the new sales and marketing tools, you're going to get those same boost of productivity. So I think you're going to see some great new capability for companies. And I think you're going to get a surge on IT buying because every CIO, every CEO now needs a generative AI strategy. This is a critical new moment in technology. It, it, these come along every now and then. And what we're going to see is that every company needs to reevaluate, including Salesforce, what I'm doing, every company. What are they doing to take advantage of this incredible technology to make their companies more productive? I always love the predictive. Generative sounds like that you can personalize at a level where there are people who would otherwise go to a cu another customer if they felt that they were alienated by the salesperson at your company. Well, one of the things that I found so interesting about generative is, of course, they're all driven by these large language models, right. which is the next generation of artificial intelligence. It just means a much larger version of what we call deep learning before. But Jim, the thing that's interesting is these large language models are just hungry for data. They're just, they're like huge vacuum cleaners sucking up as much data as they can over, all over the internet. We know that, that's how ChatGPT works, for example. It's the ultimate plagiarizer. It steals everything, all the data that it can get. And then, you know, it's giving it back out to you, but of course it can also be the ultimate liar. We saw in that legal example, right, where right, the lawyer right, was using it and firms. it came up with cases that, it, you know, it hallucinated, cases that never bank, existed. If I'm in a bank and I am a loan officer and I need to get 10 loans that day, I can't. I do three because I'm writing the same thing over and over again. That will be done. Well, I was just with one of our very large bank CEO customers here in New York, and they're like, oh, this is great. I'm just going to put all my data into the large language model, and then I'll, my whole company is going to be more productive. Not quite so fast, because don't forget, a lot of this data is highly regulated data, and you're not going to just take all your customers' names, account balances, and their most sensitive and private and secure information, and put it into some large language model that then all of your employees are going to have access to. You're going to need a trust layer. And that's what we're announcing here today, Jim, that we're so excited about. It's the Salesforce GPT trust layer that's going to make the difference. It's going to let us anonymize the data, just like we did in predictive. Okay. So we don't see the data. The LLM doesn't know your data, but yet you're going to get the power of this generative AI for your employees. And right, you're going so to get the productivity without giving up this kind of um, uh, uh, privacy that's so critical. All right, so I'm a good customer of Gucci, and I call Without this, they might search to see if I'm good. With this, they what, know what I might want. They, they are actually going ahead of what the customer might want because they've seen all the different choices. Well, now you're calling because you need your suit repaired, you need your shoes repaired, you need your belt repaired, and now you're going to be talking to a service agent who's not only going to be able to know everything that you've already bought, 
but also what you're most likely to want and also give you an opportunity to buy a new suit or a new belt or some new shoes that they might not have had those capabilities as a service agent before. They've been augmented, they're more productive, they're more capable through generative AI. That's the power of what's happening here. Do you think that, not, that too many people are making up generative AI? I listen, all these companies say, listen, we're doing generative. I know that I, Salesforce is a trusted company, and again, use your product. I know that if you're using, using it, you actually are using it, but there seems to be a lot of pretenders. Well, I think the number one thing you've got to realize is the, these incredible m new models, these large language models, and Salesforce has been building a, a number of these ourselves. Of course, we have our code gen model, which allows us to code directly into our platform, so you can be a novice coder, but get expert coder capability, that's amazing. You can use even our Code 5 model, which is kind of a, the next generation after that, or you can use one of our advanced LLMs that's gonna give you this even augmented capability in sales, service, and marketing. But we're not just using our own LLMs, we've also created a whole ecosystem and we've invested in new LLM companies like Cohere and Anthropic, and we're even partnering so with companies like the Open, OpenAI. We have a broad LLM ecosystem now at Salesforce. All right, so Very on AAA, exciting. I happen to love AAA. I've been a customer. They're here since today. I, since I've been They're 18. Here. Sure. What will they be able to do better for me, the auto club, that they couldn't do before? Well, number one is you're working with an agent who's writing your proposal. You know, now that's a tremendous uh, aspect of being an, a AAA rep. Have you ever seen how they operate? They're there, they need to build a custom proposal for you. That is all gonna be uh, augmented through generative AI. It's all gonna happen a lot faster. They're gonna have more capability. Now you call them, you have a claim. All of that's gonna be augmented as well through service and marketing. The emails, all of the capabilities that you need all of that will come out of the generative AI right, So as well. if I'm going to buy a new phone from a major telco company, of which I know, they all know you, I find it so alienating. They don't seem to know me. They don't know I'm a customer. It's just, can that end if they just take the cloud, AI cloud? Can they know who I am and do a better job for me? Well, we're making some great, great strides with these telecom companies who need to have exactly what you said, a single source of truth. Right. Or a what we call... A single source of truth they don't have right now. A customer 360. Right that lets them sell, service, market, conduct commerce with you. And what's that gonna take is the data cloud, Jim. And that is why our data cloud is our fastest growing cloud. It's why almost all of the major telecom companies, not only here in the US, but worldwide, already started deploying it. Because the first place that you start with AI is get all your data together. That is the key. And that building that canonical data model, that is so critical for every enterprise. And that is a powerful thought that we can have this data, and then once we have the data, of course we have our apps, which are delivering the customer uh, connectivity, and we have the generative AI giving us the productivity. All right, so, so let's go back to ethics solution. and safety. How do we know, and this is my colleague David Faber, thinking about this, that the machines themselves don't give us the wrong information or tell too much about us to, to people that I thought was private? Well, that's one of the reasons that we're keeping the human in the loop, and we published an article in Harvard Business Review this week on AI ethics, and I think that that will be a critical part of AI for a long time. And you could see that in this kind of very famous example that happened over the last few weeks about the lawyer yes. who asked ChatGPT all these things, but then it was hallucinating. Hallucinating also means it lied. You know, it basically, right. it wasn't able to determine the truth from fabrication because it's a computer, it's using these tokens. See, all the computer is doing, Jim, is it, it's importing all of this data and then it's kind of tokenizing all the data, and then it's putting it together so that it says, well, if this is true and this is true and this is true, then the next 
thing that's true is this, and it's not always right. Now, if you're, so I'm from that's RBC, just how it works. Today. I'm an RBC wealth manager. I've got to see people. And I have to make proposals. I want to talk to someone who might want to expand their business. There is a playbook for expanding the business. Do I just write it again and again, or do I do this cloud? And it just comes out. It's a great customer of ours, RBC. They have probably one of the greatest CEOs in banking, Dave McKay. They've deployed tens of thousands of users of our financial services cloud. And that entire cloud in June, we're announcing today, actually in a couple of weeks, we're in June now, is all getting that new generative AI capability. So we'll see that deployed for them in, imminently. Now, uh, Dreamforce coming up. First of all, will I, will I feel at home, as do, where everyone tells me San Francisco, it's going to be an alien experience. Will I feel at home at Dreamforce, as we have for years and years? You're going to, first of all, get a taste of Dreamforce today, where you're going to see a lot of the generative products that will be released at Dreamforce, or between now and Dreamforce. A lot's coming out this month, a lot's coming out in July. But by September, our goal is you're going to get a whole new capability. And yes, we want San Francisco to be the safest, best place you've ever been, just like it always is, Jim. And Trailhead people. And I know that you just had a great experience visiting San Francisco. Oh, well, look, so. I think that, look, here's what I love about San Francisco. The city, it's fantastic, okay? Enough with the negativity. I can't wait to get out the Dreamforce. One last question I've got to ask you. Uh, there are many people, new faces. I'm seeing a lot of new faces here. Some people would interpret that as turmoil. What do you call it? Well, I know you just met our new chief marketing officer, Ariel Kelman, who was our... Vice President of Product Marketing, went right. off to be the CMO of AWS and was the CMO at Oracle, and now we've brought him back to Salesforce. And we've brought a lot of folks back, and we call them boomerangs, and we're so excited to call all of our alumni back because we're growing. It's an exciting time at Salesforce. We're augmenting our team just like we're well, you fired augmenting. Up. You are more fired I, up than I've seen you in a very long time. Well, it's been an exciting five months, as you know. First of all, number, Jim, number one is we've grown our margin by 1,000 points. Not bad. That's, How about those losers who say that it was like 10% instead of 11% growth we, revenue? What do you say? In our last, class? in the quarter we just announced, we have now given, uh, you know, that we're going to do 28%, you know, this year. And uh, this has been an exciting moment for us well, at Salesforce. Well, you deserve so, it. Thank I you. know you were challenged. You won. Thank uh, you very much. But everybody won. If they oh, well, we learned a lot. It's if great. Stock, Fantastic. Like my chapel trust. I, I want to talk to, I want to thank you. I can't wait to talk to you out in San Francisco. Jim, thanks for coming to AI Absolutely. Day. Absolutely. Mark Betty, I'm Chairman, CEO, Co-Founder, Salesforce. Great to be with you. Good to thank see you, sir. Sir. Thank, thank you. Coming up, we're living in a material world, but that's good news for our next guest. Kramer Moves Mountains with MP Materials, next. Can MP Materials catch a break? Oh, here's a company that's one of the few SPAC plays that we like. It's worked out well. It's a producer of rare earth minerals. It's an industry dominated by China. These guys operate in California. It's only scale production we have in the whole darn country. MP Materials soared to $60 and change at the stock's all-time high in March of last year. But at the end of the day, it is indeed a producer of goods that are commodities, which means it's hostage to the price of these minerals. Unfortunately, the company's been hit with higher costs and lower realized prices for its rare earth, where its production volumes were roughly flat in the latest quarter, but they're still making a lot of them. They're making money. It's revenue plummeted 42%, but pricing's just not on their side. And that's why the stock has plunged back to the low 20s. At some point, though, I think it's going to be cheap to own. I just don't know when. I don't know what the state of the global economy will be that will make it work. So let's check in with Jim Latinsky. He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of MP Materials to get a better read on the situation. Mr. Latinsky, welcome back to Mad Money. 
Thank you, Jim. It's good to be back. Nice right. to see you. It's great to see you. Now, Jim, I want you, first of all, to explain to people out there that you are an owner operator. So if the company does well, it's terrific for you. And if it doesn't do well, you, do, you, you feel it. Yeah, that's right, Jim. I'm, I'm the largest shareholder of the company, and we have an owner-operator culture. Uh, we, every single employee is a shareholder, and so we, you know, we try to think like owners and operate like owners. And you hit the nail on the head. Unfortunately, although we've had you know, 10 successful quarters uh, as a public company and we're executing really well, ultimately this is a commodity industry right now. And uh, when prices are high, we probably look really smart, and maybe we're not so smart. But when prices are low, maybe we look not so smart and we don't deserve that. And so, you know, we, we, we really can only control what we can control and continue to execute. And, you know, volatility works both ways. Well, then let's look at it like this. So people understand if you take a long term view, you are going to be uh, mining, making the minerals to, into some usable form, sending it to the people who need it in a form that they can use it and that that's all ahead. And if you just forget about the short term volatility, you are doing a, a model that doesn't require China in the end. It will be done all America. And that's what this country needs. That's right, Jim. Right now, we, we have to ship everything we make to China because that's where the magnets are made. But, at, you know, as you stated, we are moving downstream. Uh, we are going to be sending refined materials from Mountain Pass, California, to our magnetics factory in Fort Worth, Texas. And that factory already has an, a huge foundational customer in GM for the Ultimium platform. And so we will be uh, fully onshoring this supply chain. So when people think about the problems with Taiwan, say, and how we had to build all these factories here in our country at billions of dollars cost to America, we are trying to make it so that we make rare earth and process them here, but you're doing it as an owner-operator. You're not getting a big, you're not getting billions from the U.S. government to work on your projects. That's right. And not only that, but we, you know, we recognize we're in a commodity business, Jim, and so we have a fortress balance sheet. We are a cash flow positive operating business, and we have approximately 1.2 billion of cash on our balance sheet. So, you know, as I like to say, we like the volatility in the commodity, not on our balance sheet. Uh, you know, so we're levered to the commodity price in the short term. Um, but in the longer term, you know, I think the really important thing, we, we talk about EVs, I, I guess I should probably address the longer term demand because when you have prices moving like this, uh, certainly EVs are an enormous use case. But as we, as we look around in the recent frenzy with AI and, and uh, you know, efficiency and knowledge work, the real change for AI, in my opinion, is going to be the profound changes, probably healthcare, robotics. In fact, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal this morning about humanoid robots in factories. And, you know, an EV is really a robot on wheels. Um, a, a robot is, of course, uh, a, a robot on legs, but an EV has a very big battery and a small amount of magnets. Uh, a, a robot has a small battery and a large amount of magnets. And so, Again, and this is highly speculative longer term, but in the short term, we have a huge tailwind from the EV revolution and then a continued tail room, uh, tail, tailwind uh, from uh, robotics and, all, and some of these other use cases. And so we, we believe the demand picture is bright. But again, I would caution in the very short term in a commodity, it's just you never know what the next few months are going to be well, like. Well, look, you're very, you're very upfront. Is, yeah. I mean, in your last conference call, you talk yeah. about, look, there are these legacy uses, hard disk drives, uh, internal combustion engines that really do matter. You'd love it so if it were only just what Elon Musk really needs and he can't get it. The fact is, is that a lot of these minerals 
are used in day-to-day businesses that may be soft, but longer term, as you say, it's hard to imagine a world where they're going to be using fewer magnets. Absolutely. It's, it's any kind of electrified motion, Jim, uh, is going to be is going to need rare earth magnets. It's the most efficient, highest powered, smallest size, uh, best way to utilize your materials uh, use case. And certainly we're not going to have 100 percent share. You know, we have there are other kinds of magnets, but in EVs, it's a 90 plus percent share. And even in robotics, if it's a little smaller than that or much smaller than that, the, the, the demand cases just continue to grow. Uh, so we, we really feel you know, I don't lose any sleep at night about the demand picture in the coming years. And, and by the way, Jim, the platform that we're building, uh, when we think about electrification as, as people build platforms, it, you know, it took a while for the market to see certain platforms and then you know, people, people recognize it over time. I think ours is a, a similar situation where you know, in the short term, we are a victim to commodities prices. But as you said, we're an owner operator culture. We've kept our balance sheet conservative, so we have a fortress balance sheet, and we'll be here to benefit from the upside volatility whenever that comes, however that comes. You know, in the meantime, all we can do is just execute in the short term. Well, I, I have a feeling that when I look at your $3.8 billion market cap and I think about what the future holds, that's going to be a steal right now, no. OK, but from our, our viewers who have a longer term view, Jim, I mean, I just don't think you're going to be able to replicate for three point eight billion what you've got. Oh, that's for sure. The in place assets that we have, aside from having a world class ore body, the multi billion dollars of invested capital just in California. Uh, you know, there's north of nine figures already in the ground in Texas. You can see we've tweeted our magnet factory is already topped off. We have a, you know, a wonderful deal and partner in GM for the Ultium platform. And, you know, we're really onshoring this business from scratch. This entire industry is in China. And, and so we need to have an American champion in this space. And we're years and billions ahead. Right. And, uh, and we just have to keep executing Well, you just that. keep doing that. That's what matters. You just keep doing your owner-operator model. That's how people are going to be rewarded. Jim Latinsky, founder, chairman and CEO of MP Materials. It's always great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Yeah, my perspective for Coming up, what's in your mind, America? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Great best for our rappers. Play this out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Danik? Time for the lightning round. We're going to start with Perros in California. Perros. Hi, Jim. How's it going? It's going well. How about you? Hey, pretty good. Um, so I called you back in October on Vertex Pharmaceuticals, and that was a great move. I took some profits. But anyways, wanted to get to my stock here. Um, with this huge AI boom, I started a small position in this company. I'm looking to add on weakness. Um, if there is any, um, they're involved in automatic test systems for the semiconductor okay. space, but also aerospace and defense. All right. Um, and they're also uh, manu- they also manufacture um, robotic products. Okay. Just wanted to get your thoughts on TER Teradyne. Teradyne. Oh my! You know, I know that management from way way back. I think that thing is terrific. It has may have made a big move, but I really like it. Let's go to Brenda, North Carolina. Brenda. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show tonight. Of course. My biggest, uh, yes, uh, my biggest stock holding I have for retirement income is down around $22 a share over a 12-month period. 
Is it a buy or what's going on with Duke Energy? No, uh, Duke's just trading down with the cohort. I could name another 10 utilities right off the top of my head. They've done exactly the same thing. You're in a very good utility. There's only a couple that I'm very worried about. I think you're fine in that. Let's go to Trevor in Wisconsin. Trevor. Booyah. What Booyah. up, Jim? Ah, you know, good weekend. How about you? My girlfriend, Ann. Love All you, right. babe. Be home in an hour. All right, uh, good speaking for you. Of which, I think you'll like this one, Jim. Amcor okay. Technology. Yeah, you know I do, actually. It's, again, it's in that test, test business for semis, and I like that business so much. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Apple has a vision for the future. Can their mixed reality ambitions make you money? I was thinking over the weekend, maybe we got this whole thing wrong about this Apple new Vision Pro headset. When it was unveiled, there was this ton of sticker shock at the $3,500 price tag. Nothing management said could soften the blow, including their in-app comparison to the cost of a big screen TV. I mean, look, it's true. You can go right to Costco Direct, buy a 75-inch Sony television for as little as $1,119. Hey, look, you know, even the highest M1, 77 inches with everything, all the bells and whistles, sells for $2,899. And, of course, you can watch those with other people. Isn't that a little different? So after the announcement, the conventional wisdom crystallized around the idea that the Vision Pro is meant for developers to create content for a platform that will ultimately spawn a less expensive headset, one that seems like more of a bargain. Nah, but I kept thinking that, no, that's not right. I'm thinking this whole assumption that a high price point will be a huge obstacle is just dead wrong. It ignores how people buy high-end iPhones these days. We know the best iPhone 14s can cost more than the grand, although when you go look up the prices, they're all over the map. It seems a little squishy. They certainly don't seem like a standalone bargain to me, except that once you're part of the ecosystem, you can't live without one. Of course, you probably bought your iPhone from a wireless carrier, right? And the three major players all offer some amazing subsidies. Right now, I was looking at the websites, and Verizon says that you get iPhone 14 Pro Max for free. That's a good price. T-Mobile is willing to give you $830 off an iPhone Pro. Even ATT says they'll give you up to $700 off, maybe $1,000 off if you trade in your old one. Oh, but it's hard to get clarity with them. All these deals seem clustered together, although Verizon's clearly giving you the best subsidy right now. But I bring all this up because for the first time in history, we don't have a fair fight among the three major wireless carriers. Two of them have balance sheets that can no longer support both endless price wars and the relatively bountiful dividends. AT&T currently pays out 50% of its free cash flows and dividends. Verizon pays out 65%. And that's how the former is a 7.0% yield and the latter is a 7.3% yield. These yields are getting high enough that they worry me because the stocks are trading like Wall Street's worried about the future of those dividends. And this is where Apple's Vision Pro comes in. Hey, what happens? Get this. I've been thinking. What happens if T-Mobile, which has no balance sheet problem, decides, you know what? If you buy an Apple cell phone with us, we'll offer you a buy now, pay later scheme from Apple itself and sell you the headset at a heavy discount. Is that all that crazy? Right now, T-Mobile's offering Apple Plus free for a year. Uh, maybe it's worth it to do, for them to do something bigger. Nah, give the Vision Pro up. Let's say that T-Mobile gives you an amazing deal on the Vision Pro if you also switch your wireless plan from AT&T or Verizon. I think it could be a huge driver of traffic, something that could force Verizon and ATT to possibly cut their dividend, which we know 
is just beyond the pale. And that's why I think the higher price, the bigger the eventual bargain. Does Apple care that the list price of this headset would be $3,500 when the real price will only be something concocted by T-Mobile that makes you switch phone carriers? Between now and when you can buy the Vision Pro, I am confident you'll see endless positive commentary and additions. But if I were T-Mobile, I'd be thinking, when can we ship? Because this would be a price war where there would only be one winner, the one without the dividend. They need something that would let them have a knockout blow against AT&T and Verizon. And maybe that's exactly what Apple is about to give them. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. Probably try to just you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.